There are undoubtedly many things in the world that seem to be going wrong. Many people in the world that seem to be just going mad. You can, all you have to do is turn on the evening news or go on to CNN.com or whichever your favorite news site is and you'll see story after story after story of something terrible that's happened. We've had killings in France and Nigeria and unfortunately what happened in Nigeria was very much under um, under uh, pressed um, newsed, whatever you want to say, reported. Um, but there are things happening all over the world. Tragedy after tragedy. I've experienced uh, just on the periphery of some of the craziness that's happening in the world and in the hearts of people. You see, I went to Argentina on a, on a trip uh, years ago. It was uh, 2009. And we went, and of course, little old me, you know, going along and, you know, of course, no one's going to do anything bad, right? Every, everything's great. And, and so I'm going along and the, and the folks down there, the conference people in Argentina are saying, now, when you get to the bus station, when you go there, when you're waiting for your bus, make sure you put every, all your luggage in a big pile and stand in a circle around it. And, you know, because if you don't, somebody's going to steal something. It's not in, it's not a maybe, it's a, it's a definitely, someone will steal something. And we said, wow, really? And so, well, we will heed the council. And so we went, we put everything in a circle and we were standing around, sitting on our suitcases. I was kind of thinking, oh, this is silly. The people are probably looking at us and laughing inside. Look at these silly Americans, always afraid everywhere they go. Uh, but I noticed that as time went on, people kept kind of walking by and, and glancing down at our stuff, you know, and, and then you would look behind you and another person would walk by and glance down. And But we had a really tight circle. We circled the wagons, guys. We were safe, you know. And so we were there and and, and, and no one could penetrate our, our force field of bodies. And, and so we, we kept our stuff safe. And, but, but we noticed that there was a commotion just just, you know, not far from us. And a man had just run and jerked a purse out of a lady's hands and ran through the bus terminal and disappeared in the vast crowd of people. And so she was, of course, really upset about that. But there was nothing anybody could do. He was gone. And we said, man, you know, I guess they were right. Things are not as safe here as we would hope. Um, when we first moved here, Summer was in a store. I think I can't remember which one it was, but a guy was just standing behind her, and and he just said, "I just got robbed before coming here." And she looked around and looked at him, and he's like, "Yeah, I was at the gas station, and a guy walked up and pulled out a gun in broad daylight and made me give give him his wallet, give him my wallet." And I was like, "All right, we got to watch out in this Tallahassee place. Got to watch out. I got to have my kung fu skills on, make sure." I'm okay. No, um, but but we just said, you know, it doesn't really matter where you are or what time of day it is. It doesn't matter who you are. We are in a world that's full of crazy stuff, full of people that do crazy things. And you know what? Unfortunately, we're not always so perfect at not being crazy ourselves. But at least being in Christ, we have a wonderful help. But we're not 
perfect all the time, unfortunately, because we still live in this world and we are subject to the same ruler uh, that rules over, it's, it calls him the, the prince of the power of the air, the one who rules in the sons of disobedience, and sometimes he can get his hooks in us for a few moments, but we have a wonderful passage that tells of God's power in these situations. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to look back a little bit before the verses 8 through 10, we'll get there, but I just want to read the beginning of this. You see, Paul Paul doesn't pull any punches when he's talking about the sinfulness of humanity. He's talking to the Ephesians and he says in verse 1 of chapter 2, And you, he, speaking of Christ, made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Wow. When I read this, I'm just struck by the fact that Paul doesn't say, you know, there were some of y'all that were not too bad. I mean, you had some issues and everything, but you were you were more like up-class citizens, you know? Like, you, you weren't part of the rabble, you know, but you had a few things going on, and God had to, God had to help you, and there were some of you that needed more help than them, though. You, you had some issues, right? Some big problems, you know? He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't make this uh, these different categories. He says, let me just tell you something right now. I don't really care what you were doing and, and, and what you were like. He says, there was a time, folks, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience. Man, he says, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and of the mind, and were by nature's children of wrath, just as the others. He says, you're looking outside and saying, man, look at all those people. They're crazy, right? They're crazy. They're doing all these bad things. And he says, but listen, before you were in Christ, you were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. That's a pretty strong indictment. Some of you are thinking, man, I was not a, ch- a child of wrath. What's the matter with him? You know, he doesn't even know me, right? But see, the thing is, it doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum when you come to Christ. And even after you've come to Christ, it doesn't really matter where we are on the spectrum. If we give in to the evil one and allow him to manipulate us, we are acting like a child of wrath in that circumstance. That's a pretty heavy thing. But we don't want to act like a child of wrath. We don't want to do these things. And time after time, Christians will say, man, I just am trying and trying, but I still cannot get over such and such. This just always bugs me. This always trips me up. And sometimes someone may even despair that they would ever conquer the thing that's so easily tripping them up. When you look at what's going on in the world, when you look at our own shortcomings, it could be enough if we just look with human eyes and say, 
Where is God's Spirit working in this world? It looks like the devil just has so many people, so much going on. So He has his hooks in me still sometimes, and he gets me to trip up. And, and where's the power of God? And I love in verse 3 that he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop saying, you were once child, children of disobedience and all of this kind of stuff, all this bad news. He says, but God. And this is the part of the, of the passage I love so much. You know how powerful those two words are, but God. You were like this, but God. You have problems with anger, but God. You have problems with your thoughts, but God. You have problems with, I don't know, being lazy, but God. You have problems with this or that. You have problems with dealing with your family members, but God. You have issues. The world has issues. There are things that seem to be insurmountable. You have hurts from the past, psychological and emotional hurts that color everything you do today, but God. But God. But what about God? God who is rich in mercy. You know, it's interesting when we think of the word rich, we usually think someone who is rich in monetary substance, one who is rich in goods. I, I, you know, for the, for the last few years, there's been a lot of talk. The 1% have so much of the world's wealth, and the 99% have, you know, just, just the scraps that fall from the table, right? You know, and so people are holding up the signs and saying, we are the 99%, right? Well, I'll tell you, you know, I'm not part of the 1%. I'm not rich. I, uh, I, I'm probably, you know, close to, to ruin if a certain few circumstances were strung along together. I'm not rich, but, uh, but, but there are people who are rich in this world, and we usually think that they're the, when we hear the word rich, we think of rich in monetary substance. But God, who is rich in mercy. You see, God is rich in, in monetary substance, too. I mean, if he can pave his streets with gold... He's probably a rich guy, right? You know, I'm just saying. I don't really see the 1% saying, I'm going to pave my driveway in gold just because I can, right? You know, God can pave a whole city worth of gold. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, God is rich in monetary substance because he made it all. It's all his. Even all the wealth that the 1% has is really God's. They just don't often acknowledge it through giving back to him and through giving to those in need. But God is not just rich in that way. God is rich in mercy. And there aren't, there aren't too many people in this world, even those of us of the, of, of the house of God, that maybe could say that they are rich in mercy. It's not because we're necessarily hard-hearted, but, you know, sometimes we have the tendency, well, you know, Lord, I... How many times do I have to forgive him? Like seven times? I mean, like seven's a lot, right? And, and, and you know, we, we have this kind of cap on, this is as much as I'm going to stand for. A lot of times, we may not be rich in mercy. But it says, but God, you had issues, but God, who is rich in mercy? He's like that 
cartoon duck that some of you may remember from years ago who used to dive off of a diving board into his rich, vast vault of gold coins. I don't know if any of you... Was that Scrooge? Scrooge? Scrooge McDuck? Yeah. God, except God is not lavished and swimming around in gold coins necessarily. God is rich in mercy. Boundless mercy. Farther than the eye can see does it go. He is rich in mercy. And because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. God was rich in mercy, not to people who were okay, who were up-class citizens. God was rich in mercy when we were totally abandoned to the evil one. Totally abandoned, selfish, no inkling in humanity left of the image of God, and He was rich in mercy. God was rich in mercy and had great love for us, for everyone, even the ones who perpetrate the tragedies. And God, by this grace, decided that since we were already dead in trespasses, there was no way to really just bring us back to life without doing something drastic. And so he said, I'm going to become dead in your trespasses too. I'm going to die and join you being dead to, dead to life, dead to grace, dead to anything. I'm going to die a sinner with your sins resting upon me. I will also be dead in trespasses. Not that he commits, but the ones we've committed. But we are not going to stay there, he says. He says, I am going to break the bonds of death and bring every one of you out with me. I'm going to burst the bonds of the tomb and I am going to lead you out as my trophies of victory. But he doesn't even stop there. So often when we talk about the great grace that God has, we say, wonderful, God has saved me from my sins, full stop. But we don't think about what else he has done for us. He says that not only does he stop at bringing us back to life with himself, he, he, he brings us into the heavenly places with him. Now, I don't know about you, um, but I've, I've been quite aware that I'm not standing in heavenly places. Um, right now, we're here on this earth. We're in Tallahassee, Florida. We're on, you know, I mean, Paul, tell me, is the astronomy right? Are we still on earth? Yeah? Okay. I just have to make sure. I just want to make sure I'm not telling you something wrong. We're still here, okay? We're still here. We're not standing in heavenly places. But God says through Paul that in Christ, indeed, we are in heavenly places. You see, Jesus went up and sat down at the right hand of the Father on his throne. And this verse says, he raised us up together and made us. He caused us. We didn't have to ask. He didn't wait for us to ask. You know, I have this like heavenly places plan. 
Would you like to sign up for a spot on the throne with me? He didn't say that. He just says, it says that he caused us to sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Friends, before the grace of Christ, we were good as dead. You've heard that phrase, right? You know, what, what, does, somebody, what does somebody say? Wait, he, he's good as dead, or he's a dead man, right? Well, he may be alive, but he's getting ready to die. He's basically as good. He is, he is as good as a dead man. We were good as dead, but God was rich in mercy. And see, what he has done for us and what we are going to remember today is the fact that not only that has Christ uh, died in our trespasses and brought us back to life with him, but he has made us as good as in heavenly places. Right now, you, sitting in this pew in Tallahassee, Florida, are as good as being in heavenly places. Amen. Amen, right? Right now, we look with eyes that just see the surroundings here. We see the, we see the walls and the normal things around us, the people, and we, we think about the trials that we face, and we say, no, I'm still here on this planet. But when we look with the eyes of faith and believe what the Word says, we are as good as sitting on the throne. Jesus Christ is sitting on the throne, not only as God, but as the representative of all humanity, all those who put their trust in him. You are as good as being seated in heavenly places. Amen. You see, sometimes we do despair and say, how long, O oh Lord, before your coming will happen? How long will I suffer this and that? How long? How long? I mean, I go, I, you know, I try to follow you. How long? I just don't know how much I can make it. But God says, listen, it's not like you really necessarily have to make it. I mean, you got to live there, but I've already got the end all worked out. You're already sitting on the throne. You just have to, you just have to let it, let the already but not yet become now. And that's the tension we live in in the gospel. There's an already but not yet. Already has Christ won the war, but the battle, all the battles are not yet done. Already are we sitting in heavenly places, but we don't necessarily feel that seat beneath us. And so what do we do in the interim? Brother Neil read it. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any should boast. You know, we like to boast. Humanity likes to boast. You know, look, you know, I, I do, I don't do this and I do that and I'm just following the Lord's will, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm really good too. You know, he says, that's, that's great, but that's not the source of your salvation. It's not of works, lest any should boast, because if it was based on our works, God would owe us salvation. He would have to, if we were, if we were saved by our works, we could stand there and say, excuse me, I'm waiting for my paycheck of what I earned. And God says, it's not about your works. None of you can boast. Not one. But then he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
What does what do we do in the interim, friends? What do we do if we are already as good as being seated in heavenly places? If we are already as good as being there, we might as well act like we're there. Right? So often we play by the rules of this earth. We play the game. We may deceive. We, we may uh, step on other people to get to the next level. We may talk about people because, well, we like to have a good story to tell. We may do all sorts of things, but that's, that's the way people who have their citizenship on earth act. Raking people across the coals, saying things about this person and that person. No, that's not what someone does if they are as good as seated on the throne. No one's going to talk about anybody when we're, when we're in heaven, even if someone was not doing, if, even if it was possible for someone to not be doing something that they should be doing in heaven, we wouldn't be malicious. We wouldn't tear them down. We would, we would be compassionate and we would run after them with open arms and we would want to embrace them and encourage them. We would be totally different than the way this world plays the game. Friends, if you're in Christ, you're as good as being there. And if you're as good as being there, you might as well act like a citizen of heaven right now. And so this is my call for us to remember whatever it is in your walk of life, whatever it is, if it be your family, your friends, your, how you react with your church family, how you do at work, whatever situation you're in, please remember that this is not the real reality. The real reality is that you're there. You're there by faith. So remember, you may not have a citizenship card for heaven. You may not have a driver's license that says, child of the heavenly king. Okay? (laughs) But as far as God is concerned, you are His citizen. First and foremost. So my call for us is will we act like heavenly citizens? Will we treat one another with the grace that is only born of heaven? And I pray that as we move on from this time in the Word to the time where we wash one another's feet and to the time where we partake of the emblems, that during this this transition as, as we're doing the foot washing, that you will lay that down to the Lord and say, I haven't been acting like I'm as good as up there with you. I haven't been acting like I'm a citizen of heaven sometimes, but I want to. And so I just ask that you will fill me with that grace of heaven and help me to act like I am walking on the streets of gold right now, even in the midst of this craziness that is in this world. And so I call you to do that and then come back and rejoice in the assurance that he is answering.